Hello, listener. Welcome to Marching In, a dedicated Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music comes from Lawrence Norton. If you want to stay up to date with the pod and find out about future guests and upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Marching In Pod. Okay, welcome to another episode of Marching In. Uh, in a week that saw Saints pick up three points, we had three fixtures. We have got a lot to talk about. I am, as ever, joined by Samuel Appleton. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Been a, obviously a mixed week for Saints. Brilliant win against Chelsea, but then I went to Molyneux on Saturday and that wasn't quite as good. I mean, we played okay, as we get into, but... Yeah, it just wasn't wasn't to be as as it normally is at Molyneux. Yeah, feels quite saintsy to be brought back down to earth with a drab one nil defeat at Wolves. But the last time we potted, so we're speaking on Monday. The last time we potted was pre the United game, so we'll touch on that a little bit. But all in all, an okay week, I think, coming out of those three fixtures with three points. Maybe there would be an expectation that we, you know, that would be an all right return. We never beat Chelsea at home, do we? I think, is it only the second time we've ever beaten them at St Mary's? I, I read somewhere. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it was basically a, a seven days for the teams that we never beat. We never beat United. Up. We never beat United at St Mary's. And we haven't beat United for nearly six, over six years, full stop anyway. But yeah, I mean. and, then, and then Chelsea at St Mary's, who we, ne- who we hardly ever beat. Normally get absolutely wallops against them as well at home, and then Wolves we've only we've only beaten once since they've been promoted. And that was the first year they were up. So yeah, it was a week. It was a bogey team kind of week, and to get three points out of that, I mean, I probably would have guessed the three points would have been in either either the Wolves or United game that came against Chelsea. So yeah, it was, I, I still think we've got we've got more points now than I thought we would at this stage. They probably come in different areas than I thought we would. I thought we may have beaten Leeds, and then, but I didn't. I didn't expect the two wins to come from Leicester away and Chelsea away. That's for sure. Anyway, that's for sure. But um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still pretty, I'm fairly positive about the start of the season. Just, I mean, the Premier League just looks really weird at the moment. Like, obviously, Leicester are almost rock bottom with, with one point, but the rest of the league is sort of very, it's very, very squashed together and like. There's no one really getting. I mean, obviously, Bournemouth struggled. You thought last week, you thought when they went 2 0 down Saturday, you thought, right, this is them going to be dropping like a stone for the rest of the season. And all of a sudden, you, I leave the ground on Saturday, not on you, and they've won 3 2. And the level one points of us all of a sudden, which is it's just a really strange league to start. With. It's six games in. Yeah, it's really, really odd. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I guess we can kind of dig into the last week, but also we're going to do. You know, a rundown of our recent games, but also preview Brentford as well. So I think we'll, we'll have time to talk a little bit about, um, yeah, what we can expect there. But you're completely right. The league is slightly bizarre at the minute. And, you know, for instance, Villa have probably been one of the weakest sides in the league this season, but by all intents and purposes, could have easily beaten Man City on Saturday, um, which is kind of points to, yeah, a, a slightly sort of strange 
situation with, uh, I guess, teams that we were expecting to sort of completely blow teams away. I mean, City have in, in many games, but it was the sort of crazy game at St. James's and, and then that fixture on, on Saturday. Um, Sam, let's talk about Wolves. As you said, we never seem to beat them. I thought the performance was okay for large parts. Yeah. I think the noticeable absentee from the centre of the park is obviously Romeo Lavia and we can talk about transfers, etc. later on, but it did feel like we, we lacked just something in the middle in terms of either winning the ball back quickly and then moving us up the field. And I think you've made some of your feelings known about Ibrahima Diallo uh, before, but that feels like a noticeable downgrade and, and where we lacked something in the middle. Yeah, we looked, we looked a much better team in the middle of midfield when Maitland-Niles came on for the last, I think maybe 20 minutes he was on for. He looked better on the ball. So I'm, I think going forward, he may come into the side, maybe on, maybe this Saturday. But yeah, I mean, Wolves' strength is their midfield, isn't it? It's Neves and Tino and uh, is it Nunes, their new signing. Yeah. And yeah, we just, we just lacked a bit of... We were getting bypassed all the time. I mean, the amount of times they seemed to get in behind us, Neto, Got in behind us a few times, and I mean, they should probably should have scored two or a couple more goals from that sort of situation. But I mean, we the chances we had, I mean, I think Wolves were slightly the better team, it wasn't a great game anyway. The chances we had, we should have got something out of it. I mean, how does that? I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what Che Adams is doing. It just seems it was almost very Che Adams. It just the amount of times he scores brilliant goals, but then something like that happens. I just the defender almost makes it easy for him at the line as well. He stood behind the lot. So it's, it's so bad. It's so it, bad, Sam. It, it, it means, it's, yeah, it's, it, you can't defend it. It's, it's really bad. And then a few minutes later, he hits the bar. But other than that, we didn't really create a lot. I can't remember, really remember Jose Sarr making any saves. And I mean, as much as people, as much as people spoke about us signing a strike, I do wonder about whether it's the because Elianusi flatters the sea for me. He has the odd good game, but I don't really know. I don't really see what he offers going forward. We looked a much better team on Saturday when Stuart Armstrong was on the pitch. And even, I mean, Samuel Adozi was very excited. He came on, he beat, he, he looked, um, yeah, looked a real player. I'm, I'm not sure he's quite ready to start yet. I don't, I don't, I can't see him starting this weekend, but yeah, it was very impressive when he came on. He, he caused Johnny, who's, who's a decent right back, a lot of, a lot of problems down that left side. And, um, yeah, it just, it just didn't fall for us. I mean, Adam Armstrong Saturday, he was sort of back to his usual self of not really... There's one time he went down the wing, I think he knocked it past. It might have been Eight Nori or one of their defenders. and He, he had a chance just to burst forward. And he just sort of and, and drive into the box. We just sort of held it back. And it was almost like watching Nathan Redmond do something like that. But yeah, it was a struggle. It was, it was an attritional game and it just and a rubbish goal to concede as well. Didn't look good for um, Bazzuni, that goal. It was, it was a weird goal. And, I mean, Podence is clearly just trying to chip it. And he digs it into the ground. It's so weird, isn't it? I mean, I was, I've kind of watched it back a few times thinking, is is Bazzuni at fault? I guess, look, there, there's some kind of big incidents, I think, at, at both ends. That one, it's just a strange one. He kind of is, looks like he's covering his near post maybe too much, but then goes yeah. down quite early. And I, I don't even know if Podence is 
he's even and it sounds strange i don't even know if he's even shooting because there's a player in the middle that it would make sense i think to square it in that situation <clears throat> just a really strange goal um to to concede i think we'll talk a little bit about you know our, our kind of lack of of incisiveness going forward but i just think in in diallo and el yanusi we potentially have two okay squad players for this level but not good enough for starting in a team that wants to progress you know they they were okay deputies over the last 18 months but like we are investing in this in this squad now like sports republic are sort of putting the their money where their mouth is and I just don't think that we can expect too much from from these pairs. We kind of know what they are, right? And, and we'll talk about some of the outgoings from deadline day, but we spoke about this. We sort of know what you you get from the likes of Jan Valerie and Musa Gineppo. Appreciate Gineppo has done all right at left back, you know, surprisingly early on in the season. But there's a couple of moments where El Yanusi has to find the right pass in that kind of transition there's the one kind of, I think, very clear one, and you were in the, the the ground, I assume. It was even more frustrating, you know, watching that there and then, where if he just plays it, it's such a simple pass that any good attacking midfielder will see him play Shea Adams in. He waits yeah. and waits and waits, and he misses the moment. And then, you know, he has to delay it because he thinks he might be offside, and ultimately the attack breaks down. But a simple pass there that, a top quality attacking midfielder will play and it's a one-on-one whether Adam scores or not given what he managed to to do with a basically an open net punching it into the the goal who knows but but those are the moments that we need so much more from someone like an Elianusi yeah definitely I mean since he's been at the club he's been very stop start for him he's also been out alone but yeah he just doesn't make doesn't pick the right pass. He, he obviously he had impact last season, which was surprising. Once coming back coming back from lows, I didn't see him having a career, uh, a future at the club. But with the options we've got now, with Stuart Armstrong on the bench, with with Adozi on the bench, as I said before, and also Gineppo can play further forward. We've now we've got other options. Adam, obviously, Adam Armstrong plays up there. I think it's the sort of position where I don't see how he. Keep getting selected every week. I mean, he's 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 just fine. Like he's never amazing. He's never he's never absolutely awful. I don't think. I think he's just always fine. Which I don't. And I think in that sort of position, where we need to create a lot of chances for our strikers to score. We can't really deal with fine. We need someone to really be incisive and pick that pass, which I don't think he's capable of. Yeah, from a cameo from. Dozy was really impressive. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I I kind of got the feeling that those two, him and Larios, would be players that would take a little bit of time to be bedded in, in the sense that we signed Bazuna and Lavia so early on in the summer that, you know, coming into the first game of the season, maybe there were slight question marks whether both of them would start immediately, but they're clearly huge upgrades on what we had before in that position. So, of course, start them. But for both to be involved in the match day squad and Edozi to come on and, you know, he, he looked so confident immediately at this level. And I think it again is just testament to the work of Joe Shields and the club to pick out these players. And I was thinking specifically about him. 
I saw some things on Twitter that were like, you know, he's fallen behind certain players in the pecking order, you know, City, Palmer, McAtee, others they've got, um, other players now out on on loan. I think uh, Keiki is one of them. Top clubs, specifically Man City, hoard just very, very good players that probably will never make the grade at, at those clubs, but they are hugely talented. And given the right, you know, the right space to... To show their talents, you know, you'd put into that the likes of Michael Elise, um, Jaden Sancho, obviously. Like, it's, it's also about the environment, ultimately just being given that opportunity. And, like, I've just got no doubt that someone like an Adozi, based on what, you know, little I've seen of him in terms of, you know, clips at youth level and what he did in a very short space of time on Saturday, has got so much ability. And given the right environment, could be the answer to some of our woes in those attacking areas. Yeah, it was direct. It was the sort of thing we, we've lacked for so long. We've had players like Redmond who, who can be direct at times, but also are quite cautious, whereas I think a doji might bring a sort of <clears throat> maybe a chaos factor that the clubs aren't used to playing against. And they're, they're not, they're obviously haven't seen a lot of him. He can beat beat a player. I'm not, I mean, I'm not really sure what it's like in front of goal yet. Yeah, it was really exciting. I mean, obviously, it was quite a frustrating time in the match where we were struggling to create anything, but it was a glimmer of, it was almost a, a, a bit of light in the darkness of us, us trying to trying to break walls down, which is, I mean, I've, I've seen to have seen that numerous times, just trying to break a wall. Yeah, down. it's interesting, isn't it? Because the same fixture last season had one notable bright spark, which was you know, probably one of the best free kicks in Premier League history. <laughs> uh, and this game... I thought we matched Wolves for most of the game in, in fairness and gave them, a, you know, I think it was a very competitive game that sort of hung on those few moments. The Adams miss is catastrophic, let's be honest. But we're kind of coming away from this probably, you know, feeling all right about how we played. And Adozi was that bright spark, right, in terms of giving us something to kind of get off our seats and be excited about. I think he said in the interview when he signed that he loves one-on-ones and going past players. And I was thinking of Nathan Redmond in that scenario. You know, Nathan Redmond would stand his player up one-on-one and then put his foot on the ball, turn fucking backwards, and we'd be back where we've begun. Mm. Whereas someone that, you know, actually wants to go past players, as you say, maybe they won't always come off. Of course they won't. But that sort of the ability to commit players is something that we've we've desperately lacked. Walls are, they're just the, side we just don't do well against them. They're well organised. I mean, Nathan Collins and Kilman's a solid solid centre-back pairing. Yeah. And the crossing we did at the weekends didn't... None of it came off at all. It was either too long, too short, or it was just straight onto their heads. It was just... It was really frustrating. But yeah, I mean, I think we're a lot more content, not not losing, but like, I think we're a bit more like optimistic we would be losing where if you flip that I think if we, we beat Wolves at the ground because they've got quite quite down quite toxic because I think they've quite been, been quite unhappy with how, how things have been going recently but yeah I mean I didn't expect to get anything up there to be honest but yeah on to the next one I guess yeah certainly just one other thing was a player that we were linked with a little bit in the summer is the striker who really unfortunately has done his ACL already mm. Kalajic I don't know how you say his name Kalajic Kalajic Kalazic, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go with it one was, of those. It's a weird one because he just didn't, it was really innocuous. He just didn't, didn't really notice anything was wrong. 
he carried on to half time as well after going down. And all of a sudden, yes, I see that he's done, done his ACL. Really, really strange. Yeah, yeah. I I actually thought about this last season. I think it was Ogbonna that had done his ACL and carried on to play. If you kind of compare that with what happened to Tino, who is still very much on the road to recovery, um, like it's yeah, I find that so strange with injuries how they can be quite similar in what happens, but. Like Tino's reaction was completely immediate and clearly in a lot of pain. Um, Sam, we will leave the Wolves game there unless you've got anything burning to add. We'll talk a little bit about what happened at St Mary's on Tuesday night versus Chelsea. Um, again, we take points from behind, which feels like, you know, I appreciate it's a small sample size across first five, six games of the season, but that doesn't feel like the Saints of old. It does feel like we you know, don't let games go away from us. And compared to the horror show that we saw in the same fixture last season, just a really, really positive night for us. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like a flip reverse now of us, the, the points lost and winning positions uh, thing. We almost put a middle finger up to that and say, even if, even if we go ahead, we're really going to win or we're not going to score at all. So you're not, you, can't have, you, can't have that, uh, you can't have that stat anymore. But um, no, it was a really good, really good performance. I, I didn't, I didn't make, it was the only home, <clears throat> the only home game I've missed this season. So that's typical. Getting my ticket away, so I was on the, the early shift at work the next day. But um, <laughs> so that's, but both times now we've, we've beaten Chelsea, St Mary's, I'll give my ticket away. So that's, uh, that's so maybe, maybe that's something, something to tell me. But yeah, it was stay really away, good Sam. Really good performance. The first 20 minutes, 25 minutes were a bit worrying. They got in behind a few times. Mount Havertz and Sterling got in behind a few times. They obviously just put on a late, late last ditch challenge from um, Balakot chap. Sort of, sort of, um, sort of going one nil up early on. And then when they went one nil up, you thought, "Oh, here we go again." But to get that goal really quickly after they scored was so positive and like lift. You could I mean, on the on the TV and hear the crowd was really up for the game on Tuesday, and. Yeah, Lavia's goal was really, really good finish. Then to get to go ahead at half time, but then you still thought had a lingering thought in your mind. You just thought, oh, I was saying they're never going to hold on it. But Chelsea are going to get chances. But despite, I mean, in my head when I watched Saints, it's never as comfortable as it probably looks to a neutral watching it. But I think it was relatively comfortable that second half. Chelsea, I can't, I can't really remember Bazunia making any saves from any of the Chelsea players. I think it was a header from Brozier near the end. He just sort of tipped wide. I think that was going wide anyway. But yeah, it was a really positive performance, and every, I mean, Trey Adams was brilliant. He bullied bullied Koulibaly and gave, gave Thiago and Koulibaly a really tough time, which not many strikers are going to do this season. And yeah, it was a brilliant performance, and and so, so it was almost a, a thought in my mind that this team is really exciting. It's really, and what we're doing is an exciting thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. I I concur with that. I actually I listened to a podcast going into the weekend. So this is before the Wolves game, but it's hosted by two US guys, and they effectively saying that we, you know, off the back of that result, in terms of where expectations were coming into the season compared to kind of where we were at the end of game week five, like really one of the most impressive sides in the league in terms of what we've done with recruitment and also you know, how we're playing. And even on Saturday against Wolves, our, you know, the underlying numbers were, you know, b- better, right, in terms of XG and what we created. And 
I think, again, you know, outperformed Chelsea over uh, over 90 minutes and could have won by more. We had those couple of kind of chances. El Yanusi misses what, what he, a chance he probably should put away in the in the second half. There's the one off the line where Silver kind of flicks out a boot and somehow how does he, how doesn't. How does he do that, by the way? I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem ball. bizarre um, to kind of keep that ball out. But yeah, I thought Adams was was excellent. Um, and I think we we just a complete kind of opposite to the end of last season where, you know, we think about the Chelsea game, we think about the Brentford game. Obviously, we're going to preview that match before the end of the pod. But we just looked at sixes and sevens throughout both of those fixtures that spring to mind as two of the, you know, worst results in that period where it looked like potentially the opposition could score every attack. And we have such a solidity about us that yeah I, I kind of I've, I'm, I'm growing in confidence in terms of the games that we're going into now and and again it's a small sample size we've only got seven points from these first six games we're not you know kind of there's no need to really get ahead of ourselves but again that performance proved that we've made really smart signings and are doing a lot of the th- you know underlying things that make a football club successful right and you touched on it in terms of that last ditch tackle. It's such good defending that people have analysed, you know, far better than me in terms of how good it is what Belakotchep does to, to you know, deny Sterling any opportunity to either square it or shoot. It's really clever defending, but then kind of match with that physicality he has in terms of the winner and one of the winners of the last seven days for me. He was so good against United, and I think again has proven that we've just picked up a really smart centre-back that a lot of the Premier League are going, well, there just seems to be such a smart pickup with such high upside at, at low risk in terms of what we've shelved out for someone like him. He looks really, really good. Yeah, non-Saints fans ask me about it, saying where he got him from, how much did you pay for him, etc. It's a big shout, but he does remind me a little bit I mean, this isn't this isn't me saying he's as good as. He reminds I, know, me I knew I knew what you're going to say from the from your face, there, Sam. Come on. <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of Virgil Van Dijk in his first choice, and obviously, obviously, he's a bit. He's obviously a lot young, a few years younger than Van Dijk when he, when he did join us. But it's just the way, maybe not on the ball, but in terms of like those challenges he makes and the way he reads the game and how quick he is, and the fact he's sort of like when he doesn't have to when he doesn't have to be sprinting, he just sort of lumbers around. It doesn't look that interesting. I know exactly what you mean, by the way. And I think people have kind of, there's a couple of comparisons, I think, that have been made. But the thing that Verger's always had, right, is just how, like, aesthetically pleasing he is to watch on the ball and how calm and composed he looks. Obviously, Belakotchup doesn't have that. But actually, in terms of how productive he is, and, and he can also carry the ball quite well, I think there are similarities. They just kind of are sort of different to look at in terms of how they play. But I think you're completely right. Like, delaying... What he does for that Sterling, you know, chance, which it's so nice to have a player who can cover the ground that quickly. Because even though Salisu, I think, is like, he's, he's, I don't think he's slow, but he's not rapid. Like, Bella Kotchap genuinely is like pretty quick once he gets going. And he relies on that pace to be able to delay until he kind of engages, which, as you say, is a very kind of VVD thing to do. Yeah. And I me, mean, in no way am I saying he's as good as Virgil Pant or anything like that. But it's, it's very promising signs and it's shown that, I mean, the fact also we brought in Chaleta Saar now, it's just our defence looks so much more solid than what it did a few weeks. Like, 
I mean, we went into the Spurs game with Valerie and Bednarek playing. Stevens oh, mate. Stevens came on at half time. Just beg his belief. I mean, we we may we we would have lost, we probably would have lost that game anyway. We just, we just hamstrung us hamstrung ourselves from the start of that game with the selection. But you look at us now, and it's almost a completely different team we're playing. Despite those, despite the players that we are selected, we're already through the door when we when we did play Spurs. But yeah, it's just a lot. I'm I'm thinking a lot more positive about this season now than I was a few weeks ago. I, I'm I think I do think we'll stay up now. I just think there's a lot Whee! more. <laughs> I, I did say 16th anyway, but I did have a lingering. That's almost I was quite optimistic. I thought, <laughs> but yeah, obviously the the, the main worry now is where it, where are the goals going to come from. Yeah, but I do think well, we, I do think the, the contributions will come. I think it's quite a nice segue to what happened on Thursday and, you know, going to sleep on Wednesday evening ahead of deadline day for once as a Saints fan felt relatively exciting. Um, you, you wake up to those hopes, those very slim hopes of us signing Cody Gakpo <laughs> completely dash in that he's staying at PSV. But that did seem the big kind of area that we were looking to improve, right? We had the Ramos rumour slightly earlier in the summer and then Gakpo, seemed like we were willing to bid, you know, 30, 35 million pounds for that standout striker. I say standout striker, you'd probably say that both Ramos and Gakpo, what I know of the two players, they're not out and out number nines. And maybe would have been that kind of perfect goal scoring foil to someone like an Adams, where Adams can actually do a little bit more of what we saw him do on Tuesday night against Chelsea, you know, actually bullying defenders and bringing others into play. Ultimately, you know, we've we've seen a lot of our great attacking moments this season come from that style play. And then having someone like a Gakpo, who it, it is clear to me that he plays like left of that front three, being that, you know, sort of yeah, goal scoring winger slash striker. You know, that aside, that does feel like the big gap, doesn't it? As we kind of progress through the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I read a good piece by Jacob Townsend on the Athletic about our transfer activity at the end of the window, or during the window anyway. And um, he sort of mentioned about Ramos and said that he said Benfica were quite willing to let him go. But, and they also got another player there who's, they also rate maybe slightly higher, higher than Ramos. So I'm not really, obviously, obviously that was a few weeks ago and it's never materialised. The Gakpo thing, it almost it did feel too good to be true. I mean, and then all of a sudden Leeds came in trying to get him as well. That didn't that didn't come off for them, obviously. As much as it is a gap, I'm glad we didn't go out all of us like on deadline day and think, oh, we've got to go and we've got to go and get someone. We've got to go and spend 20 million on someone. Because we've been bitten by that in the past. And it's it's not something we can have. I don't think with the money, the, the budget we're on, obviously, we've got a much bigger budget now than we were. But so Sports Republic aren't the kind of people that think we're going to go and blow 20 million, 25 million on our second, second, well, probably third or fourth choice player, just just so we can get someone in for the window. Especially when you look at, when obviously the season pauses for a month in November. And then you've got a couple of games at the back end of December. And then yeah. the January transfer window is open. So the, the opportunity is there. There's, there's a there's there's a whole mass of games after January, so if they did want to get someone in January, the opportunity is there. So yeah, 
as much as I would have loved to get someone in, I think it needed to be the first first choice or someone they definitely wanted rather than someone they're rushing around to get in the last few minutes of deadline day. I agree. I was actually quite pleased that we I didn't see you know any of these links coming through once we knew the Gapo deal was done because I had this kind of burning feeling that okay there, there might have been players in, in in Europe that we could have gone and got but it did feel like specifically for Leeds who thought they had Gapo at one point you know then went for um, Niang who didn't go anywhere and then they signed the young uh, Italian striker from uh, Swiss football. You know, it, it it seemed like we were quite clear that if the player wasn't right, we weren't going to do anything. But obviously we did make, you know, four signings on um, deadline day one with the loan option to buy in AZ Maitland-Niles. I, I personally think four really smart pickups again. Like, Idozi and Larios appear to be, you know, very, very talented young players who will be in and around that first team squad for this season and maybe kick on. Again, very low risk, high upside, I think, with both. Um, Chaletikar is very experienced centre-back, and we spoke about this in our pre-season preview pod. The right age profile for probably what we're looking at. And, you know, you, you touched on it, but the outgoings in terms of Valerie Bednarek-Stevens, I think feelings of Bednarek, he can absolutely do one with some of the stuff he said when he moved. He's just he's not not good enough, and, and Villa fans will see that quick enough, I'm sure. Stevens and, and Valerie also aren't good enough. Like we've massively upgraded in in those areas, and then Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think we're, we're going to see now. He's got this window, unfortunately, because of an injury to probably our standout player from the first month in in Romeo Lavia. But I think he should just play in that in that CDM role, and we should see see how he gets on there I think he needs minutes at this level to kind of see actually what what player he is but you know I I kind of I thought a little bit of the Carl Walker Peters signing when we were linked with him in the sense that actually when we were you know first linked with Walker Peters and then we loaned him in and finally bought him I think at the time of that loan Saints fans were probably slightly indifferent to to you know how he might fit in and how good he was He's by far and away one of our best players now. You know, I'm not saying that Maitland-Niles will have the impact that that kind of Walker-Peters has had in his short career here, but I just think it's, again, it's it's a low-risk signing with someone that has played a lot of minutes, both in the Premier League and um, and Europe as well. So I just think they're just four smart buys, and I was quite happy that we didn't rush through that attacking player. And I ultimately feel like a winger was as important as a striker. And we've got what seems to be quite an exciting option now in, in a dozy. Sam, something I did want to touch on before we wrap on the deadline day deals, and I tagged you on Twitter, I don't know if you saw it, but someone did come in for Romeo Lavia uh, on deadline day. The yeah, rumour was that was, Chelsea made a, a £50 million bid. It's just weird, isn't it? Like, A, like, he's been, he's played, what, five and a half, five and a half Premier League games? <laughs> and also, surely Chelsea are looking at that thinking, He's just got injured against us. He's out for six weeks. Why are they going in for a £50 million bid for him? And they clearly don't have a clue what our agreement is with City either. If Chelsea came in for £50 million, City can just probably go and buy him for 40 So they, they, they haven't really got a leg to stand on in that deal. Really. It's just such, Chelsea's dealings over the, the windows. I mean, they've got, they've got some good players in, but it just feels very like, like Todd Bowley's playing football manager. And I don't really get it. I mean, 
do they look stronger than they did last season? I'm not sure. Maybe in some positions, like Ster- obviously Sterling is an excellent buy. But then they've lost Rudiger and Christensen and players like that. They bought it. I mean, they spent a lot of money on Fafana. I don't think he's better than Rudiger because he's a lot younger. But I mean, yeah, bizarre. Yeah, it's that's, really that's weird it. signing. It doesn't seem well thought through. Like you said, they picked up some good players, but if you throw enough spaghetti at wall, then you kind of will. The Aubameyang pickup looks weird. I don't get that as a signing, really. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was quite an incredible story that they they did that for Lavia. Like you say as well, player that <laughs> surely they're not looking to to play in the short term. Why would you want to sign a player for £15 million? It's also out for what could be six weeks, could be longer. Like We're looking at a minimum of six weeks. But that... <laughs> That's really frustrating, I think, as a Saints fan, by the way, just on that injury, because he, he just he looks so, so good. Um, and, and across the, the two games that he has played in the last seven days has done nothing to you know dispel the feeling that he will be one of the best central midfield players in the league, at, even at the age he is now. So, yeah, um, unfortunate we've lost him for, for so long. But as I said, hopefully mate and Nas can step in. Um, anything else, Sam, before we move into the Brentford preview? No, just it's been a positive end to the window, and yeah, I think the four players we brought in are very exciting. Like we made a Niles, as you said, isn't exciting on paper, but I think he's a very solid, solid Premier League player. We've clearly had him on our radar for a long time, and yeah, I think Schletter Saar has also been mooted by a lot of people. Then I mean, the two players, it's just Joe Shields is like revolving door, just keeps going, and. Uh, yeah, from what I've seen of the Doji so far, that could be a really, really smart pickup as well. Let's move into the Brentford preview. They're off the back of, yeah, kind of an, an, a pretty decent week for, for themselves. They went away to Palace on Tuesday and um, drew 1-1. I think they're unfortunate actually not to pick up three points in that game coming from behind. And then, yeah, 5-2 versus Leeds on Saturday. I think my, one of my main fears going into this game, and maybe I'm sort of um, still thinking about that horror show away to them last season, they just have a lot of goals in their team, I think. Ivan Tony and the likes of Brian and Bumo and, and even you know someone that doesn't always start for them in Vissa. I just I'm I'm often quite scared when we when we face a side like this that have the capacity to score a lot of goals and Ivan Tony's had an excellent start to the season. Um, but I think we kind of need to be confident going into this um, ourselves, given how we performed in the first sort of six games. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's one of, one of those games you look at. It's a very, very tough game, but ultimately it's a home game and it's winnable. It's against a team that's prob- that, we, that we want to be probably in, above or in, in and around by the end of the season. But they're a very good side. They've got a very good model, very good manager as well. I, I like Thomas Frank and... Um, they bought well. I think Aaron Hickey's a really good signing. I don't. I was quite hoping we'd sign Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. I'm not sure. I don't think he's played. I think he's started that. I think he may have started on Saturday. But um, yeah, he's, he's he's obviously a, a real talent. Tony, I'm a big fan of. I mean, personally, it's a big shout. I would have him. I would have him carry Kane Deputy at the World Cup. A because. He's a very good player. I'm nodding for podcasts, uh, yeah, <laughs> listeners, because when you nod, sometimes it doesn't come through on audio. Makes sense. And also, it? he's the, probably the best penalty taker in the league. I mean, he doesn't, and he's got that weird technique where he just nonchalantly strolls up to the ball, and all of a sudden, 
he just puts it in the top corner. He's, he's a brilliant penalty taker, brilliant player. That third yeah. goal, by the way, Sam, against Leeds, it's, yeah. it's like a, I love goals that are just a bit different you don't normally see. The shot of Meslier chasing him <laughs> and then like the composure just to sort of loft it in. He's, he's so good and he's got so much to his game that I don't think people quite appreciate, at least I didn't when he came into Premier League. But, you know, he's, he's very good in the air. He's got a very good first touch. He links play really well. They're also quite innovative um, at set pieces. I think we, we're getting a little bit more like that as well, which is good. But he often peels off to the back post and they kind of head it back across goal. He's did just that, got did that, did so that many... Us, did that against us in May. Tony yeah. Off, I think, and I think Pontus Janssen scored. Yeah, yeah. And I really like Mbumo as well. Like, obviously, this is how we might get on, but uh, they're a club that is so well run. Um, I think, if anything, it sort of bodes well for hopefully what you might see at Saints in the upcoming years, given, you know, someone like Rasmus Ankerson, who was so pivotal to to that model. Um, predictions, Sam? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because you, you probably look at last season and both teams probably had their worst games of the season against one another. But Brentford probably had their worst game of the season at St Mary's, where they had. Yeah. I know it's probably their players missing. Obviously, they was it Fernandez they had in goal. That's absolutely shocking. You shouldn't just throw, throw a few of the goals in. And then, I mean, our game. I mean, it was probably a, there's a lot more to <laughs> there's a lot more to choose from in terms of our worst performance last season. But it's the, it's, the, it's the one for me actually. I think you you raise a good point about <laughs> there's quite a few to choose from, but we looked so bad. Yeah. That game like so bad. They they it, you know three 0 Flattered us. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we were so like it's the worst I've seen is against against a team as well that they're a good side, but they shouldn't be doing that to us. They shouldn't, but they shouldn't be. We shouldn't have them do, let them do that to us. And we did. They should have scored more. And yeah, it was, it was obviously the turning point where the fans sort of turned on Ralph a bit at the end, at the end of that game. And it was it was warranted. It was a really 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 bad performance, and and the players got a lot of stick as well. It was really poor. Uh, predictions in terms of this weekend it's a, it's a tough one to call I think I think we'll win I think we'll win we just don't keep clean sheets do we we're not kept a clean sheet yet have we this season no and I was about to mention that earlier actually like I think sometimes you have a bit of outcome bias with clean sheets because you know it's football like anything can happen and, and suddenly you know you've conceded or you <laughs> someone misses a chance like Adams does on Saturday but for all of the kind of good defensive work I think we've done that is slightly worrying like we don't uh, yeah we, we just don't keep clean sheets I, I think what was the last one that we kept probably Arsenal Arsenal yeah I mean it's weird isn't it because I feel like our defence has really improved we're still not keeping clean sheets <laughs> but we have we have had tough fixtures so yeah it's, it's been a bit yeah. it's been a funny one um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win yeah just about I think anyway it's, it's, it's going to be a really tough game, but I, I just I do think we'll win. I think a bit. I think the fans. There's a lot more positivity positivity around the club at the moment, and yeah, I do think we'll, I think we'll nick it. I'm you really don't, tempted you, to agree. You, you I'm I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go one one. Hmm. Yeah, but it's it, uh, yeah. It's it, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think you're pointing the fans and. Um, <clears throat> Only watched it on TV, but the game against United, even when Fernandez scores, which we obviously haven't touched on, this it feels like ages ago now. Hell of a goal from Fernandez, but you immediately heard Owen the Saints, and 
Like it did seem to be a really good atmosphere at the game, despite us losing. And ultimately, you know, I think we spoke about this earlier on. One of the crucial things that we wanted to see was just an improvement in performances because even the games where we did pick up points was the end of the season last year, we were second best. But we, that, that is just not the case, actually, within these first six games. We've been really competitive and good. And, and that is rubbing off, I think, on, on the fans, you know. And I'd love to just see a buoyant St Mary's and us repaying that with a really solid win. I, I think it will be a score draw of some sort. Not that tempted to go to copy me, then. <laughs> no. But <laughs> no. uh, for someone that... You know, let's say um, glass half empty might be the right way to look at um, Saints. You predicting us to win. Maybe there's something in that. I mean, I don't think it's to win very often. I just, I just got a feeling we might, the way Brentford play may suit us, not not because they're not a good side, but they're, they're a very attacking side. They'll, they'll go forward. Like they've obviously been, had high scoring defeat at Fulham. They're, they do concede goals. And, but then again, so do we. So, but yeah, I, I, just, I just think we'll nick it. Maybe, maybe a 3-2 instead of a 2-1. Well, I bloody love that. So, yeah, that is Saturday. And then we've got a Friday night game coming up, haven't we? But we'll pod in between then. So we'll do a post-Brentford pod and a, a Aston Villa preview. But there's weird, weird schedule. There's like, I saw, I think there's two games on a Friday night, but we're on TV away at Villa. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair. Well, I think that's been a thorough discussion on the last week's events at Saints, including three games, one pretty busy deadline day. Sam, anything to close out with? No, no. A lot good to catch up on uh, all things Saints and uh, hopefully my prediction will come true on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Listener, we will be back likely Monday next week. So yeah, this will be in your ears i'm sure monday september 5th we'll be back potting a week today so thank you for staying the course and speak to you all soon